Today is Saturday, the 3rd of April, 2021. And in Thailand, we're into the hot season now. You see that the weather is changing following causes and conditions. And there are these three seasons in Thailand, the rainy season, the cold season, the hot season. Uh, but we're out of the cold season and uh, into the hot season now. So in uh, Europe, it's getting into summer as well, at the end of spring, I guess. And Australia, it's uh, getting quite cold down there. And uh, along with the temperature changing, changing, the body also changes. If it's too hot, if it's too cold, if it's too damp, then this creates imbalances in the body, which brings about illness and sickness to the body. And so getting things just right is important, and this balance is uh, what we mean by getting things just right. And it's the same with our meditation practice, that if we are too strict, if we're too tense, then we need to bring that to a state of just rightness, of enoughness. And also if we're getting too laxed, we need to bring that back as well. And the things that make us uh, too lax uh, is the, the distraction and the amusement getting lost in the things of this world and the things that we delight in, <clears throat> getting lost in sleep and finding pleasure in food and in uh, chatting with one another. We see that these days the number of things that we can find this amusement and get distracted and lost in is uh, huge in uh, these, this age of social media using programs or apps like WhatsApp or Line or Facebook. And uh, it gets to the point where some practitioners, when we get into the reins retreat, they make the determination that during this retreat they're not going to use Facebook. And some people just um, are fed up with it and make the determination to never use Facebook ever again. Because if we use these things and we carry on using them without mindfulness and just use them in a way that we get lost in them and uh, we don't know what's really going on, um, then this brings about a lot of harm to us. So we see that in previous uh, times, the things that people would get amused by, um, they were there. There was uh, music, there were celebrations uh, that people had, different ways that people would entertain themselves and each other. But these were very few and quite hard to come by. But now it's great, the number of these things. And if people nowadays um, don't have much mindfulness and wisdom, then they'll just get lost in all of these things getting lost in all of these uh, sights and sounds and other sense impressions that we find pleasurable. And this is craving right here. And, uh, craving gives rise to attachment and clinging. So there's this craving of um, wanting to be, wanting to have. There's also the craving of not wanting to be and not wanting to have. So we need to come to train, to practice, 
to train ourselves to speak just a little bit, to sleep just a little bit, and to be awake through our efforts. And this is even more important for the monks to do this, to train themselves, to train their minds. Because if we don't train our minds, what kind of damage will that bring to us? And the harm that comes to us is a delusion, this internal delusion. When the mind is deluded, then this um, attachment comes up. And attachment brings us suffering, even though we don't want to suffer. We gain the suffering that um, we have due to separation from the things that we like and we love. The suffering due to being with things that we dislike and things that we don't love. And these uh, bring us, well, these kinds of attachments, they bring us suffering. They become the causes of suffering. And the suffering appears independent of whether or not we want to experience it. And so when these causes for suffering are there, then suffering will come about, even though we don't want to feel that suffering. We don't want to get old. We don't want to get sick. We don't want to die. We don't want to experience pain. But when the causes for these things are present, then these things will have to arise. So just like how when we're born, that is the cause for separation. And really from the first day that we were born, the time that we have less left in this world is always steadily reducing. It's just that we don't see things like that. We don't see the old age sickness and death inherent within birth. So Lumpur Cha, he said that if you're going to cry when you part from each other, it's better to cry right from the time that someone was born. So he said these words with wisdom. Because if we don't have birth, then we don't have old age, we won't have sickness, we won't have death. So these kinds of suffering, they're right there from childhood. They're inherent within birth. But it's normally the, normally the case that when someone is born, then people are delighted, they rejoice in that. And that's just natural for us to be that way, that if we don't have this quick knowledge that's up to speed with the things that we're experiencing. The mind that has wisdom, however, will be able to let go. And so for practitioners, um, that we train ourselves, and so we have this interest to uh, see the Dhamma, to see Nibbana. And some people ask, well, when the mind has entered into Nibbana, is their mind still there? And they think in this way, thinking about Nibbāna, the mind that's gone into Nibbāna, is there still a mind there? And what they really mean by that is, am I still there? Is there still a self that's there? So there are these doubts, but we need to get these doubts in perspective, or these questions need to be brought to a more kind of balanced um, level that we need to come back and look. Look at the suffering that's coming up right now within ourselves and that it's arising due to attachment. If we don't attach, then we don't experience that suffering. And so we should look here first, take this as uh, the basis of what we observe. And we shouldn't look at what's 
going to come next or what's happening all the way over there because we're just not going to see it. And if someone tells us that it's like this or like that, we won't really understand what they say. Because this Nibbāna, it doesn't have a place. It's not a level of existence. It's not a realm. It's like we have these Deva realms, Brahma realms, and the mind may go stay in these for a period of time, but it needs to fall from those states as well. Because when there's birth, then there'll be death. But with Nibbāna, there's no birth and there's no death. And do you understand this? It's actually something that's quite difficult to understand. And where is Nibbāna? And some people ask this question. And the answer is that Nibbāna doesn't have a place. It doesn't have any basis for it. It's, it's, it's not like um, heaven or these other realms. Uh, because with these realms, you can stay in there for a while, but then you have to leave them. You have to go somewhere else. You have to travel from this place to that place. And what that shows is that that is a plane of existence. And just like how we may travel from our house to someone else's house, from this city to that city, from this country to that country, that there are places, but Nibbana doesn't have a place, it doesn't have any direction. And this is talking quite straight. And for those people who don't have wisdom, they won't understand it. So people ask, well, is there a mind there in Nibbana? And uh, an easy way of explaining this is like, well, if we do some cleaning, if we mop our house, for example, and then we get the results of that cleanliness, and then we take those results to be mine, that I made this house clean. So when we do things, we do them with attachment. When we do goodness, then there's attachment to that goodness. But we should try to let go of that as well, to not attach to it. And is that a good thing, to let go of that? And so this is looking at it in quite an easy way first. And we try to take Nibbāna as a meditation object. And uh, Nibbāna is this place where there is no suffering, there's no stress there at all that the mind isn't involved in anything whatsoever. It's let go of everything already. This is taking Nibbāna as the object of our mind. And people ask, is this something that we can do? Because right now our minds are involved in so many things, they're so caught up in different things. But we can use this um, object of Nibbāna to recollect and do this uh, through periods. Just like when we travel somewhere, if we're traveling a very long distance, uh, going someplace very far away, then we're going to need some supplies to get us there. If we don't have any supplies, then we're not going to make it. So therefore we need to understand that the goodness that we build up, the generosity that we do, these are our supplies for the journey our journey through the cycle of samsara that we need to travel through in order to, or on our way to Nibbāna. And we also need a vehicle to get there and some oil, some gas to put in that vehicle. And uh, what this refers to is our sila. And so we need to have these qualities of generosity and of virtue as well. 
when our practice of keeping the precepts is uh, complete, and we can keep up these five precepts, for example, we'll see that these are things that stop us from falling into lower levels of existence, that stop us from falling into hell or getting born as a hungry ghost or a common animal. That when we keep um, sila, then we can't fall down to this level. And so these are the methods of practice um, that we use, of building up goodness, of being generous, of keeping our virtue well. And these are the things that allow us to make our way towards Nibbāna. But in order to get there, we also need to train in samādhi as well. We need this whole path of generosity, of virtue, and of meditation, of bhavana, bringing the mind to peace first, making it well-established, settled in samādhi. And we can recollect our generosity, recollect the good things we've done, recollect our virtue. And through this, the mind can become joyful, it can become full and rapturous. We chant a lot and keep the mind with that, keep the mind with its merit, with its skillfulness. And this allows the mind to settle into peace, to become well established. And when it's well established in samadhi, then this state is able to hold the defilements at bay, it's able to suppress them. Or the greed, hatred and delusion that we are normally afflicted by, we're able to suppress this through the power of samadhi. And so if we're going to see the Dhamma, what we need to do is to see into inconstancy or instability, stress and not-self. Seeing the nature of this body, seeing the nature of all physicality and mentality as being unstable, as being stressful, as being not-self. And uh, through this we can abandon the clinging that we have. But it's normal that the clinging there in our hearts, this attachment, it's the opposite to the Dhamma. It uh, inverts the truth. It makes us see things as being uh, stable and constant, as being happiness and as being a self, as being Nietzsche and Sukha and Atta. And that's what the defilements tell us. They uh, spin the story for us. And so in order to get to Nibbāna, we need to extract all of the clinging from our hearts. And we do this through contemplating into inconstancy, stress, and not-self. And when we're able to contemplate into this, then the mind turns empty. And we're able to extract these things out. And so these things are opposed to one another. There's attachment on the one hand, and extracting these attachments on the other hand. And if we attach to things, then this becomes the cause for suffering. But if we walk this path of virtue, of samadhi and wisdom, then this is the cause for uh, happiness, or rather the cause for suffering not to arise, for niroda, cessation, and vimuti, liberation, to appear. And initially this is just a small samadhi, a small nibbana, rather. And people ask, well, is it real? Is nibbana real? Is it actually there? And it is there. It's just that uh, when the mind doesn't have wisdom, it won't see it. But with the wise mind, then it'll stop attaching to things. 
And it'll know that if it attaches uh, to anything, then that'll be a cause for suffering. So even if knowledge comes up, and this is quite a subtle level, because something that's quite deep, but even when the mind knows something, there isn't any attachment to that knowledge. There's no thought that I know. And for those who have wisdom, they don't have these kinds of things. They don't say that I see. Um, there's no attachment there in this way. It's not that I have seen the Dhamma or I am a Sotapanna, because this is just all involved with I am. And Sotapanna's are those who have entered into the stream of the Dhamma. But for someone who's attached to I am, it's like there is Sotapanna who's outside of the stream of Dhamma. So if um, sometimes, though, that these awakened beings can say things like, I see the Dhamma, but this is just following conventions. They're just speaking in line with conventions. But for those who say these things and they really believe in a me that has experienced them, then this is just attachment. But for those who have genuinely seen and what allows them to do that is this path of sila, samadhi, and panya that takes them to destroying the defilements, gaining knowledge in their minds and not attaching to that knowledge. Because um, they see that abandoning this attachment is what um, brings them to the Dhamma. And so Tavanas are those who have abandoned wrong view. And just like when we're holding something heavy and we put that thing down, we don't carry it anymore, then the heart becomes light. And uh, they won't want to pick those things up again because they see that it's heavy. And so when we gain knowledge, um, then uh, we put down our burdens. And the way of the world, however, is to just carry on picking things up, wanting more and more. But for those who have seen the Dhamma, then they've seen into truth. They've seen the nature of attachment, and they're able to put down these things, and they feel light and buoyant as a result. And this is what happens when we see the Dhamma. And so it's not a matter of self. Um, it's not that there's a self there that sees. It's um, just physicality and mentality, and just that that we see into and the mind is just the mind. And so there aren't any people who have gone into Nibbana. And there's no one who goes there. There's no one who sees the Dhamma. It's just the nature of the mind that gains knowledge. But there's no me, there's no mind there. For some people, they gain this knowledge, but then they attach to it and uh, think that I have attained, that I am this and I am that. And uh, there was one layperson who went to see a monk and they were telling the monk about their attainments. And this monk said, well, I guess it's better than being, I guess it's a little bit better than being a dog then. And uh, this, this in Thailand, this is quite a harsh thing to say. And this layperson got furious that the monk was comparing um, him or her to a dog. But actually what the monk said was correct, because 
for us to be a sotapanna, you need to be at least on a human level. And being a human is a bit better than being an animal. It is a bit better than being a dog. And so they were speaking in line with truth. But this person got really angry by what they were saying because they understood that they were a sotapanna. But sotapannas, they don't get angry like that. So for those who really have attained um, to these levels, um, they keep to themselves. They're quiet. They don't go and tell other people about it like this. And so we do need to train ourselves and bring things into a place of balance of just enough. Not getting involved into liking or disliking, caring for our minds, looking after them, training ourselves like this, and doing this every single day. And when we practice like this, then we will understand the Dhamma, and this happens all by itself, that we're able to put things down. And so the things of this world, we're able to lay them down. And we do this for the sake of seeing into the Dhamma. And so may all of you train and practice in this way. <laughs>